0: Podcast. My alias for podcast is Podcat. Like to open the podcast document Podcast. 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 (laughs) And then. Man,
1: I don't have shell aliases. For you,
0: that blows my mind. I just, it's not the level at which I operate. Our one on one alias is for you is Chris. I have one for Chad and Tom. I have a, a
1: tmux one. alias that splits shit open, and then I have Split control shit p open. Yeah, so it splits open a tmux pane, and then it opens vim in the right directory with control p running. So I have one thing that gets me into my wiki, which I then can fuzzy complete to any file rather than like a specific one that I need to remember for one-on-one versus one for podcast versus one for whatever sure That's same deal. deal i also have yeah. a thing
0: i have the same deal
1: yeah so i don't want you to think i don't have configurations and tweaks
0: and workflows no man. i can tell you're, That's you're, you're not who i am you're pretty much a noob when it comes to Vim and I the show i'm a noob giant robot smashing into other giant robots Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at ThoughtBot. I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform
1: for aspiring web developers.
0: Hi, Ben. I think we should start including more informal, pre-rolly, jokey stuff.
1: Like in the actual pre-roll and the recorded before the Giant Robots
0: uh, yeah, Words. but no, it Doesn't even necessarily have to be pre-roll. I just want like more authenticity. I'm fine with that. All right, good. So just so you know, we already started. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> this is the start of that,
1: you've been trying to do this each week. You yeah. interjected your whole adventure about the airplanes, which was crazy. But oh, I wish I had
0: a. Th- I wish I had a rant for this week. I should. I should. Keep, <laughs> I should keep a track of my gripes. You should. You it's, should have a gripes.md file where you keep all your gripes. Yeah, I'll have a gripes shell, shell alias that I run whenever I have a gripe. See, I, I'm wary of doing that. And I, I like i i thought also of having like a twitter account that wasn't don't a, automate the things you shouldn't do as much yeah yeah don't make it like don't have a thing that, where you collect all the th- stuff that makes you mad because it just it teaches you to look out for things that make you mad pipe to dev null so pipe to dev no no but like i have like i have a if i have a gratitude shell alias right which goes to a gratitude journal which is funny because everyone can see that i have a gratitude journal in so my you can have files. the same
1: for gripes but it goes to dev null and that's oh your, i type it and then it goes away right you send it into the void it is gone from you now whereas gratitude ah, you
0: want to keep good. and think about and revisit that might be actually really good i kind of want i want a similar thing for um a read later extension like it's like pocket has like a mm-hmm. chrome extension where like you like i should read this article but i'm not going to read it now so you click like the save button and it's like saved <laughs> and it gives you that Dev, no. <laughs> it gives me that sense of like oh i've now dealt with this although i never yeah. go back and read them just yeah about. So yeah, I just want someone has actually made this, but I, I had the idea independently of this. I, I know this exists, so you don't have to send me the links on the Twitter. I know someone has already done this, but I, I came up with it independently, and I was like, this should be a thing. Where it's just like, yep, saved. Don't worry about it. <laughs> go on with your day. It's like great, but then there's no pile of stuff to go look at later. Man. What does it say about
1: the human psyche that, like, I, I honestly believe that if this existed, or like, that you might use this, fully knowing what you're doing. It's yeah. like, All right, my brain requires me to say that in the future I will come back to this. So click, even though a smarter part of my brain knows that I won't.
0: Yeah. But that smarter part loses. There's a lot of dumb brain. We're just stupid meat yeah. sacks.
1: You ever uh, read what is it? Thinking fast and slow. Uh, sort of some I of can't it. Can't get through it. I've, I I read part the, of it fast I... and then, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, I wonder if there's a good uh, Reader's Digest version of it because I've tried it more than once and I just cannot get into it despite knowing what it's about and loving the concept and thinking it's really interesting conversational matter and just that, that right
0: level of pop science sort of thing. I'm going to share a philosophy with you. Ooh. You only need to read the first 20% of any nonfiction book. Uh, I mean, So the general
1: idea that you only need to read a 20%? I agree with. The fact that it's the first 20%, I tend to not find to be the case. Hmm. I find that they're rambling and explaining why you should listen to them. You can skip that. Okay. (laughs) So I got to get into, but then only 20% from there. (laughs) All right. So
0: maybe, yeah. So, so yeah. So what Pay, I would like is notice the, that the reader's not inter- just. Yeah, notice that the first chapter is usually why you should care. Yeah. And then Man, like read I the next read then read the twenty percent and then you just be like, I'm done with this. Or I actually, don't. just don't read anything and just pipe to DevNull. I believe this is one of your core
1: philosophies around giving conference talks is do not start with an introduction and yes. why people should care about it who is. you are. And uh, so, I agree with that, but times a thousand for nonfiction books. Like I'm already reading your book, please tell me. What the content of your book is?
0: Yeah, there. I've been trying those exec, executive summary things a little bit. Get abstract. Is it that one? Uh, it's not a particular service. Okay. It's uh, like Amazon ebook things hmm. where someone's like, "You got to read this nonfiction book," and then I look and like, "There's the book." Yeah. For like sixteen dollars, and then like, there's like the executive summary of same book uh, for like three dollars, hmm. uh, and as you know, it's like twenty pages or something, or not even. And I read that, and like most of the time, I'm like, "Man, I'm glad I didn't try to read that book." That's this like. And I, so I, just to test, because I was like, I need to, to know what I'm getting into, or I need to, I need to see both. I, re, I bought both. So I read the like, you know, short version and then I started reading the full one. And I was Efficiency like, gain, negative 20 points. <laughs> but uh, see, I need to know if this like, if this company that makes yeah. these things is legit, or like this idea in general is legit. After reading it, did you come away with the same thing that is in their abstract? Um... That's your. I read right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I read yeah. the full book first, and then I read the abstract one, and I was I think like, "That's the correct
1: way to do it." Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And I was like, "Yeah, that was pretty much it." Okay. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if I'll keep doing this or not. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think it's useful to have the the extra content when you need to convince someone of something when you need sort of emotional supportive cases but in a lot of cases Mm. i'm already sold on the idea i've been told by people that i trust you should read this thing getting things done life-changing book you absolutely need to read this you don't
0: you only need to read the beginning (laughs) uh
1: yeah yeah that (laughs) one uh but anyway examples like that where enough people that i trust say like this is a really good thing i got tons of value from it when two or three of those happen for the same book i'm like okay now i'm reading this sure now I want the most concise form of that possible. And that's the case for me with mo- – like, I don't come into a lot of nonfiction. It's like, hey, I don't know. What's going on here in this old book? I found it. Uh, like, I'm not picking up books in the airport, which apparently is a thing, and books are designed mm. to fit on airport uh, bookshelves. Oh, really? I've that's heard cool. I've heard like that anecdotally, and I have no idea if that's true, but – um, Yeah, Lots of pop science in that world, but the idea that most books are like these really short things, they're long blog articles that get inflated into a
0: book. Right, because it has to be a certain size. It has to look like it's a legit book. book. This is why I like eBooks because I can also pipe those to (laughs) DevNull, which is basically what I do. I'm like, I'm definitely going to read this book, put it in the Dropbox folder. Yeah, I definitely... I I mean, right. (laughs) I need need so many DevNulls. I need DevNulls everywhere. Let's talk about
1: our products. DevNull all the things. Let's talk about our
0: products. So... I have some good i'll start sure i have some good news i have good news bad news how about bad news first yeah typically okay um the bad news is i see it seems that i have actually made our activation rate worse um yeah so when i talk about the activation rate i'm referring to people that sign up create an account give us their credit card and uh old, old funnel create an account enter credit card create a form Receive a submission. Okay, that's when we've done like the minimum viable. This thing actually works. Yep, I made some changes to act to the how ha- the activation flow. Mm-hmm. One of which was I removed the explicit step of creating a form. Almost no one dropped at that step, but it was like a, I just decided like, can't we just default a form? It was in for theory you? a friction point. It was something they had to do. Right. It was like pick yeah. a name for the form, yep. and they were like, mm. I was like, why don't I just default? Give them a thing called you no know, default first form, and just drop them to the next step, which yep. is like now send us some data. Um. So that was a the there are basically two big changes one was that and the other was just a bunch of copy changes on that like setup page which mm-hmm. is like now you're here here's how to send us data and the activity, the rate of people going from the credit card to receive submission uh what used to be about 50% mm-hmm. and now it is 37% over the last period of time how big of a sample not a ton like both those are like it's like the old one was like 16 people out of 31 people i think i looked over like 3 weeks or something mm-hmm. a, a 3 week period and the new one's like 10 out of 27 So, you know, Hmm. might be early to even like worry about it uh, or to think about it too much. But I don't know. To me, it seems like the activation is better. That actually removing of the form step might be confusing to people because like after the end of the credit card, all of a sudden it's like, now send us data. Yeah. It's like, to what and why and what's going on? Whereas if like when I sign up for a service, like you expect that the first thing you're going to do is create a, a new whatever, mm-hmm. like a new widget. Like we have widgets and like, okay, first thing, new widget. Yep. And now that we're auto widgeting, I wonder if that might be more confusing.
1: I could see the case. Uh, but that said, we had a conversation and then I was like, oh, I definitely think you should get rid of that step. And you were like, yeah, I should get rid of that step. And then you got rid of it. So we've seen the other side too. We've totally. we both had that opinion. Um, I don't know, like how much longer do you think you'll watch it? Mm, longer. Uh,
0: it, this is like a crucial number for the business. Yeah. So... Oh,
1: absolutely. And if it if it holds at this, uh, I'm colored right now by uh, a very recent podcast that I listened to. It was an episode of Planet Money, which is an amazing podcast if anyone out there is not listening to it. Mm. Uh, but for some reason, this seemed like kind of an off-center topic for them, but it was about statistical validity in scientific studies. And there was basically this meta-study where they said, all right, we're going to take 100 published results, public, 100 published studies. Reproduce them, see if we get the same result as them using their stated right. uh, procedures. And 61% of the retrials did not get the same result. Mm-hmm. 61% failure to reproduce, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so that loosely was like a hair on fire statistic like, oh my God, everything is broken in the universe. Science doesn't work. Uh, but there was a very particular thing that they identified. Which was this idea of chasing the win,
0: right. chasing the positive
1: sure. result. And so the idea of if you don't go in with a stated sample size, with a stated procedure that includes when do we cut off the study, mm. then you are in danger of continuing just until you get a positive result and cutting it off immediately at yep. that, which optimizes you towards getting that positive result and actually shifts statistically the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the solution to this is to pre-register, apparently, you define the study that you're gonna do including the sample size as a fixed value before doing it, mm-hmm. then after you upload the results. And this has two benefits, one of avoiding that statistical muckery, mm-hmm. and the second of uh, now a lot of null results or negative results, like, oh, turns out there's no correlation between Cheerios and diabetes. Yeah okay but now we know that and now that's in the published record rather than in a file drawer right uh so it was an amazing episode really interesting and it brings to mind this sort of thing like how much further are you going to go and if the answer is i don't know until i know like <laughs> i and this is me pulling pop science out of the air like people do when they listen to a podcast about mm. science stuff but uh i don't know if maybe picking a fixed number would be an interesting thing there
0: yeah i wonder if it makes sense to think about it in cohorts mm mm-hmm um and that's what i was trying to do was like okay the cohorts that saw this versus the like the last three week cohort yep. that didn't i think almost any approach that's not in like a randomly selected a b test is going to be flawed yeah like i don't know if it's just this like we're getting worse traffic like a less yep. qualified traffic it's um, also not huge numbers it's so, it's so not huge there's numbers. noises in there so like this may have been just a total worthless digression and <laughs> it'll go back up or it may have it may have been noise is what i mean yeah so I don't know what to do other than to keep an eye on it. I mean, like, the, I guess the one thing to do would be to start an A-B test, but I don't have the numbers to like actually support it. Like, mm-hmm. Not enough people move through this point of the funnel to like get an A-B test done in a reasonable amount of time.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting and complex thing. Like, This is your testing budget, and it's currently locked up in this, and it doesn't seem to be going well. It's like, oh, man, that's rough on a bunch of fronts. Mm-hmm.
0: You mean like if I were to run a test on that, that's what I would think?
1: I mean, in a sense, you are running a test. You're just doing time series interrupted, and you're not going to mess with other stuff in here right now, right? Because that will interfere with... I'm not doing a test.
0: I disagree it's a test. Uh, There's no control, which means there's no test, which means it's not science.
1: Well, you're comparing statistical numbers. How would you say that that is not a test? The fact that you're not doing it as a parallel A-B test, I'll agree with that, but you are still doing a test, and you're still looking at the change in behavior based on a change in the application. And you're trying to decide whether or not your changes were beneficial or negative i would call Uh, that a test
0: okay sure i guess it's a nomenclature thing yeah
1: i think it is uh and i agree overall you definitely want to do the parallel a b tests to avoid any time stuff but right now you chose not to you're in that position this is still a test you still need to think about it that way and if you change anything else right now, then you obviously nullify whatever you think you might know. That's funny,
0: because <laughs> that brings me to my second point, uh, which is actually the good news. Um, so, yeah, just to wrap that up, though, is was like, yeah, I'm going to just keep looking at it and see what I happens. Think that makes sense. It may just be a blip. Who knows? I also may have um, walked through the tracks that had been left. Anyway, terrible metaphor. We uh, launched our new UI. Is it live? It's live. Oh, I checked earlier today and it wasn't up. When I say new, new UI, that's probably a strong word. We, so we—I've been talking about this UI refactor. It—it's—it the new UI is roughly the same, but actually there are some pretty substantial changes. This is behind the behind marketing screen. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we kept all the—the the whole marketing sti- side of the of the house is all the same, um, but the inside of the house is now all different. Hmm. Are you seeing this? I am. So. Biggest thing is, like, on FormKeep, the whole left chunk of the screen, like, basically a third of the screen was dedicated to the, the list of forms. Mm-hmm. And then the rest was, like, here are your list of submissions. So, sort of like, maybe, like, 20% for list of forms, 20% list of submissions, and then 80, uh, 60% uh, showing individual submissions. So, we had, like, three things on a, th- the screen simultaneously. Yep. Uh, and this moves to forms now and a drop down at the top. this is why am I talking about a u i on a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible um, but anyway, so the u i is has fixed some like things that were kind of silly, like showing the full list of forms all the time. most of the time you don 't care l- to see all of your forms. you just want to know which form you 're looking at currently it 's a better use of screen real estate it 's kind of like hierarchical like you dive down into a form and then from the form you see the submissions mm-hmm. list, and then from the submissions list, you see the whatever and I like it a lot better i think it 's nice so what are the intended? wins or gains to be had from this change so two two things w- one is just that it's just better uh like people send me support requests like how do i access my account settings and mm-hmm. they they say that because for basically kind of no reason we put the account settings and the logout button in the bottom left of the screen it was just mm-hmm. like because it like oh we can stick it on the on the form list which is on the left of the screen we'll just throw it at the bottom yeah no one looks in the bottom left of the screen for their account settings page so that is now where you'd expect it, which is in the top right, yep. along with logout and you know things like that. Better use the screen real estate. So it's like, it's. I think like the information architecture, I mean, not information architecture, I guess just design-wise, it, it makes more sense now. The, the real estate is used better. Um, so that's one thing. It's just superior, I think. Second, <laughs> uh, and it, well, I, I expect to get fewer support requests of the nature of like, how do I go over here and change this thing? Um, the second thing is that we took this opportunity to basically destroy and build from scratch all of our styles. Phoenix. Yes. So um, the first part of my FormKeep tenure was uh, ripping out <laughs> the front end uh, all the templates in the JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And then the second part was raising the prices. And the third part is throwing out all the styles and right. doing those from scratch. Um, so much like the Ember thing, um, we now have a wonderful, beautiful, clean base to work from. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically when I, I proposed these changes to tyson who was the designer that that led this effort he was like mm, they're in pretty rough shape like to the point where i think it probably makes sense to not use them let's just start from scratch or ish we'll keep them for the, like the marketing site like we'll do we'll do as little as we have to but let's get a, a clean slate kind right. of which is the siren song of everybody <laughs> of yep. anyone that has written code or or markup or all that stuff and so i said all right fine let's do it and then we did and then you did yeah so hopefully, uh, I like the Ember thing, we have laid a nice groundwork for going much faster in the future. Mm-hmm. That was the sort of cost-benefit uh, proposition. Analysis. In my, ROI, in my head.
1: Too. Yeah. Um, uh, this is new enough that we obviously can't really talk about the the return on that. Uh, but I would love, in, and we spoke about this last time, in a few weeks to revisit this and think about like all right so put some effort into it was it worth it have mm-hmm. we made enough changes that we've seen that return and have they been that much easier mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera? but uh again i think we want to let this stew for a little bit and let you actually do some work in the app before we look at that totally um, but we have we have a case study now so we can look at it
0: yes and 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 like i think like you just touched on you can't really tell if it was a good decision until later yes. and even then you kind of can't really tell because who knows what the alternate yep uh timeline looked like but if only we could relive all possible timelines and then choose the best one would be a fun game sure let's build a product on that okay um so yeah but so uh i'm glad it's done it's it's definitely it's a little bit rough uh i was like let's ship it let's ship it let's ship it kind of thing <laughs> which is sort of my jam which tyson was really into i think it, it's probably fun to work on a thing where someone's like as soon as this can go let's yeah. go um and i probably wanted to make sure it was done before this so i was like all right So we have some rough rough hedges to uh, sand down, but uh, I'm psyched that it's out. Nice. Well, congratulations on getting that out. Uh, That's fun. Thank you. Looking at it, it's very different. uh, It's a good bit different. Yeah. But, I mean, all the the same pieces are there. It's still – you're looking at – what makes you say it's very different?
1: Just because it is. Okay. Uh, like, I mean, the layout, it's its a fundamentally different thing. There was sort of a block uh, structure to it. There was the fixed sidebar up against the side. One thing that does actually come to mind right now is, as I start to think about what were the shapes that used to be here, your marketing page still has those shapes. So I can yes. look at that and say, like, yep. that's what it used to look like. Um, so do you have plans of kind of
0: revisiting that to, to make For it better? For sure. Represent I'm, this? I'm hoping to hang on to Tyson. We'll see how that goes. Um, I would love to redo the marketing page, the, the marketing site, I think there's a lot of improvement that could be made. Like we just think about FormKeep more. We, I know much more about it and who the customer is and mm-hmm. what, what the goodness is, and we don't talk about that on the landing page now. And it's, so would you do
1: that as an A-B test? This was obviously done as like, we're doing this, this makes sense. Yep. You stated the benefits that you expect to get from it, uh, and doesn't sound like you're doing any sort of testing or any sort of mm-hmm. quantification of that, but now uh, for the marketing page, would you plan to i'm basically suggesting you should probably do an ap test yeah there. yeah yeah <laughs> i i think
0: that's a good idea yeah uh and so do that have like two versions of the page running at the same time mm-hmm. yeah yeah i would love to do that it would be interesting to see i'd be surprised if we couldn't beat it but we might be like holy crap we didn't beat it uh, it's possible that's why we board. test yeah. yeah uh or i mean it might be a null result and then sure it's like is it even worth changing or what do we do here? well if it's a null result then it's kind of like up to you right it's like Mm -hmm. okay so if you like this new one better then go with that and you know you haven't hurt your conversion rate yeah we had that on upcase but we made the transition because we felt the newer one gave us more of the
1: sort of content that we wanted to be able to iterate on Mm -hmm. Uh, and that ended up fleshing out and, and gave us a platform to build on
0: one thing that might be difficult to actually no i guess this would sort of show up in the results but like i have noticed a thing of some people are signing up for formkeep and they don't really know what it does like they, they to them they like people are thinking it's a form some people think it's a form builder hmm. which makes sense because we keep calling it like a form th- we keep using the word form on the page basically bad word it's like me and trails yeah so like we need to i get these like I, i'm getting some non-technical non people that sign up and like how do i make a field that's required or like how do i add a how do i add a field to the thing and i'm like you edit the html and like right. <laughs> and so um yeah we're that's that's our fault that's on us that's mm-hmm. like bad you know copy marketing whatever so fixify that so basically that and activation is where i would love to have tyson looking at next Mm -hmm. Um, probably activation first not sure like the the we have this like crucial this crucial crucial page which is the like setup page of the like you just signed up gave us a credit card okay you're in the app um here's how you point your form at us Mm -hmm. this page is like so high leverage that it feels like it's, this has got to be amazing, and we should be testing stuff on this or mm-hmm. like iterating on it and, and making it more awesome. Um, and now we have this nice, beautiful markups and styles and all that, so we yep. should be able to get in there and do some stuff. One thing
1: that I notice about a lot of the conversations that we have is basically almost everything that you've talked about is inclusive of someone being at formkeep.com and after. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans to do more in the way of marketing and bringing in new folks to the page so, like, we're, we're talking about a limited testing budget, and part of that is based on how many people come through the app. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? It sounds like there hasn't been much work done on that front.
0: Not much. I mean, there's the blogging, that, there's blogs, posts going out, and all mm-hmm. that um, has not shown good ROI so mm-hmm. far, I would say. I mean, definitely has not. It's it's one of those things where, it's like, as you've experienced, it's kind of hard to quantify. Like, yeah. how did this person, like, our search rankings are improving. I think it's because of these blog posts. That's probably helped. That's probably worth mm-hmm. X dollars. Uh, so, it's hard to get into, but, like... We have that, that drip email course not converting at all. Hmm. Zero. Zero people of the, have gone through the email course, converted into keep customers. Wow. Yeah. That's so, surprising. So we, we turned off the the toaster widgety thing because it's just like, uh, this is not a good call to action. It's not helping us. Yeah. And it's crazy because the email course is good. I mean, I, I think it's a really solid course, but for, it's not turning people into customers. Hmm. So, um, yes, this has been on my mind. One thing I keep noticing over and over is that the people that are paying us the most money are digital agencies. Hmm making contact us forms making contact us forms yeah there you go that's really narrow and focused yeah now where or do they hang out maybe like a uh, jobs form right but uh, or that's like still space, yeah or like maybe a like a uh, yeah stay in touch join our email list thing yep. but it's mostly just contact us forms and then it's probably like 75 percent contact us and 25 percent get a job or something and the, yeah the people that are like paying us a hundred dollars a month again and again and again are like digital agency people so use like facebook ads and say show me digital agency folks maybe yeah that'd be worth looking into we're we are running so we're running twitter ads and facebook ads and google adwords they both they basically are are all not working um (laughs) not converting not converting Mm -hmm. i don't know so like dan set that up i don't know how much work that's supposed to take like is it the thing where like you do it and then you spend the next six months like like or many months tuning it and getting like do you need a ton of knowledge like i don't Mm -hmm. know if it's normal or like Does this mean that those are not good channels for us? Or does it mean that we need to invest a bunch of work in them? Hmm. I don't know. But I've had this crazy idea of like going the old, like old-fashioned sales route of like, what if I got together a list somehow of like a hundred digital agencies Mm -hmm. and was like, try to get in touch with them. Like the, like straight up prospecting email type things. Like, I mean, this is how people sell software. Like Nathan Barry's talk about what made ConvertKit explode was when he started doing like old-fashioned get in touch with people doing sales Hmm. manually. Um, Just sending emails like, Hey, are you happy? Like, I noticed you're doing this. I'm a big fan of this, whatever. Like, are you happy with your with MailChimp? It seems like you're using MailChimp. Um, are they doing good stuff for you? And just trying to set up, you know, things.
1: Do you know what terms that... So you've narrowed it down to a very specific audience that you think is where you should be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what words they would use to describe your business? Describe my business. Or, aka, what words they would type into the Google box? <sighs> I'm do not they sure. say form endpoint, which I think you rank very highly for, or yeah. do they say contact form not sure where you rank for that right well, um, what is it
0: yeah i don't know yeah i don't know i'm not sure if this is a problem a lot of them uh, people know they have mm. like it's probably not it's not their biggest problem for sure mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate but is probably is definitely true it does not like make you way more money exactly um although it does save you time so um it's kind of that but it might be the kind of thing where i need to find some way to tell these people that there is a way of doing this that mm. solves the pain of hey, you're making all these things and you're also making backends for these and like supporting them or like ch- charging your clients to host them or something, um, there's a nicer way of doing that. That's this. what i I'm, I'm, I imagine there is some nomenclature and uh,
1: if they're anything like me, they're putting the words into Google. That's mm-hmm. what I do with every problem I have in the universe. Mm-hmm. I put the words in, into Google. Uh, so if you can figure out what it is that they're saying, if, is it contact form, is it whatever? I'm not sure how to do this, but I think if you could do that, that's also probably a channel that makes sense. I, I'm not sure what the mechanism. Is
0: yeah, there, I'm. I'm curious. You're making me curious. Like, what AdWords stuff we are doing right now? Yeah, I should ch- check into that. Um, because it hasn't been, s- it hasn't worked so far. But I wonder, what is your lifetime value
1: around at this point?
0: Uh, 200 bucks. 200. I think.
1: So you can you can spend some money acquiring people, I right? Think. Uh, I feel like ads make sense, uh, and particularly a certain type. And so. if... Uh, i would be surprised if you ended up at a place where you're like you know what just we haven't found an ad channel that we can use that works for us yeah that would be, that would be weird that would be right? surprising so well, i wonder if there's iteration that you can do in there and it's the wording or it's the placement or it's the targeting or any of those there are a lot of different levers to pull on that yep but that feels like a thing that could be worthwhile for you
0: yep i think my attention will turn to top of funnel at some point soon it doesn't mm-hmm. feel right right now honestly like with, like, activation is going to be higher leverage than that, I think, uh, because it's so much further down the funnel. So we'll see. I mean,
1: this is the constant question of where, where to put your attention across the funnel, because if you fix activation, that's great, because eventually when you put more people at the top, then they activate better, and that's awesome. Right. But if you can put a bunch more people at the top, then you can iterate faster, lower in the funnel, because you now have more people going through it, and your test budget now goes way up. You can do two tests in a month, rather than currently you're probably around one test in a month yeah uh, and like true. there's a lot of conversations we end up having where you're like ah, I, th- I think it's better i'm not really sure it's about like i don't know 25 people that went through it and you're sort of limited by that um so i can definitely see the argument for saying that activation is the right place to spend your energy right now i could also see an argument for top of funnel is the right place you've got to get a bunch more people in here so that we can try a bunch more things mm. i don't know how to answer that i know that that's one of the typically hard questions in this world right but yeah
0: yeah uh, yeah, agreed. It's hard to know where to focus. I guess my I have, place
1: is to ask you that question every once in a while sure. so that you're thinking about it.
0: Yeah, I know. Totally. And I, I, I did, like, at MicroConf and also, like, watching, like, even, like, old videos of, like, Rob Walling, uh, giving, I guess also MicroConf, just older MicroConf, <laughs> Yeah. the consensus... Is, seems to be like activation is pretty damn mm. huge like you can't just keep pouring like don't keep pouring stuff into, the, into yeah. the leaky bucket like fix the bucket first and then figure out how to get the top of the funnel seems like people move basically from the in in out or like the bottom up yep. I
1: guess. and in absence of any other stronger metrics then i'd say go with what you've heard anecdotally from people you respect so <laughs> yeah yeah anecdotal driven development <laughs> <laughs> when you got nothing but anecdotes what else are you gonna do yeah you could apply some of that hard science that we talked
0: about earlier. <laughs> mm, sounds hard. Uh, I think that's it for me-ish. All right. I mean, other stuff has happened, but those are the big ones. Let's talk Upcase.
1: So, unfortunately, in the two weeks since we last chatted, not a ton has shipped, uh, which is okay. We're, we're moving on a number of things, but uh, we've had still some cleanup and kind of follow-on from the domain transition. Uh, So it's starting to show benefits, but unfortunately there is just a lot of noise in the system. So I think the last time we talked I was like, actually it's kind of down, things are bad, this has gone poorly. Uh, I don't believe that was accurate then, nor is it accurate now. I think Google Analytics is just confused. That's, That's the best summary that we can take. So we have a handful of different measures that we can use to decide how did this thing go? Are we doing better as a result of it? Bottom line is monthly recurring revenue, and that has gone up consistently, uh, even with an expected lag of like, I don't know, most people don't convert for two or three weeks. We're past that now, and we seem to be doing better, if anything. So the bottom line, the most important number, going in the right direction, that leads me to believe, if nothing else, this wasn't a terrible idea, and uh, Google Analytics would have led me to believe that the bottom of the world had fallen out. Our traffic had cut at least in half, if not uh, worse, according to Google Analytics. Whoa. That doesn't seem to be the case, though, because that would manifest everywhere in every other metric that we have. Um, so another random data point we have is account created. So someone came to the site, they created an account, OAuth with Google, whatever it is, that has gone up slightly over that same time period. And those should track very closely. Is my there, There's no sure. reason for, if we did lose half our traffic, for that to manifest as, well, but twice as many people created an account I wouldn't expect to see that. Okay, Uh, And there are a number of other data points, like subscriptions to email campaigns, things like that. They're all holding steady. So mostly we're a little confused right now. We're trying to sort this out. Hmm. Uh, We've got got the best minds in the upcase world working on it, but we don't have a clear answer on it, unfortunately. Uh, That said, there are a few anecdotal things that do speak to this going well. So particularly one of the goals here is to rank better in search, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that for a number of terms. Uh, So... That seems to be true. Uh, that, that's going well. But yeah, I, I wish it were a little clearer right now. It, that, it sounds weird. It does. It's been weird. Uh, and the team that I'm working with is extremely knowledgeable about Google Analytics and all of the associated things. So I don't believe this is like, oh, we just kind of missed something. Right. There's some weird stuff. And there were, we've done kind of a, a number of iterations. Like I found out that I had an infinite sign-in redirect uh that only google would ever find no human would ever do this but if you are on a page and you click sign in we add a param to the url that says you are on this page but there's also a sign in link on the sign in page and you can keep clicking that and that recursively creates a deeper and deeper nested url
0: the specific sign in link on the, oh like accidentally there was a sign yeah link on the i mean in like
1: there. i had to purposefully take it out which is what i ended up doing but then it was still there And so I was like, what's going on? And then I found there's a sign-up link in the footer on this page, and there were these weird interactions. Uh, And what we believe happened is basically Upcase had this long history, lots of data, and so Google had a view of what it was. When we transitioned to thoughtbot.com slash Upcase, Google had to basically reset and say, like, there is a new thing in the world. What is it? And crawled it and indexed a lot of pages, but in doing so, it found pages that were not real and found particularly this infinite redirect sort of thing, or infinite recursion is actually the better term for it. Okay. Uh, It's really interesting to actually watch as we were trying to debug this. The team that I'm working with has uh, a scraper tool that essentially acts like a spider, uh, which I know that these exist, and I know I understand academically how this technology works, but it was basically like, yep, fetch a page, look for every link on it, go to that link, fetch that page, continue, continue. Uh, And basically, it was there's some upper limit as to how many pages Google will index for a given domain. Mm. We were maxing that out based on this sign-in recursion. Hmm. So it meant that actually some of the pages were not even being indexed. So that was not new with the domain transition, but it was, I believe, augmented as a result. Hmm. Because Google was like, well, let's take a new look at this whole thing. Hmm. So anyway, this has been complicated. I think we're trending in the right direction i think things are going well i still believe in this i still feel that this was the right thing uh i definitely wish it had gone more uh directly but we are in a better place like as a result i cleaned up a ton of broken links in the Thoughtbot ecosystem i've made pull requests to so many different repos of ours i'm like oh that's that's not a real page that was never a real page mm. so overall things are better as a mm. result of this but yeah, I wish I had a, a cleaner answer on that. I hope and expect to have that in the coming weeks, but for now, we're not quite there.
0: Weird. Yes, sounds
1: like I wouldn't.
0: I wouldn't have thought that the recursion thing would was even a thing in the world. Maybe like yeah. it'll just keep following that, and because the URL params change, it gets it, confused. It depends.
1: We think that that's what happened. It's possible that Google right, is smart s- enough to say that, like, oh, I seem to be in a recursive loop here. I'm not going to continue following. And it's just query params that were being added mm-hmm. rather than an actual distinct path. Right. But it looked as though Google was not indexing everything after the fix. It looked as though Google was. So it seems as though this was a real problem.
0: I wonder if you could.
1: Bad people do use this for bad things. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Okay that was how we knew that was how my team was like oh wait is it this oh yeah that's one of those dark patterns that people use on the internet they make essentially link farms with recursive
0: to make it look like you have more stuff going on and so to make a given
1: keyword appear more because each of those are treated as a distinct page but if it's serving the same content now whatever term be it some pharmaceutical is now showing up Ten thousand times on this domain. Huh. Google is very smart, and Google continues to improve around these sort of things. But these are the battles that they have to fight. Interesting.
0: I was thinking about it from more of a like practical joke kind of thing. Oh, just like writing search engine spider honeypots <laughs> from which they cannot escape. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, I got plenty more links. Just keep on following them. They seem to have a, an upper limit. I had, yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm going to guess that Google is smarter at, the, at this than I am. I can't imagine the scope of that problem for real, though. The work that Google does is, that's a, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like your traffic got cut in half, but none of your other numbers seem to I don't to actually co- believe that the traffic that. got cut in half. I believe
1: it's a reporting problem interesting because the other stuff would manifest we would see that reflected in at least one of the other metrics and nothing else all the way down to bottom line revenue have not moved at all or have improved actually okay
0: weird i think google analytics got confused don't really know we're gonna figure it out Have, have you been able to replicate replicate that fall off uh, in like Amplitude, for example? Or like some other analytics segment d tool? No, I've actually specifically
1: not seen it. Right. So I've checked it in Amplitude, I've checked it in Drip, I've checked it in Barometrics, I've checked it in basically all of the different fan-out of yeah, yeah. how can I tell how many people are coming to my site while well, I have these indirect measures and they all point to a slight increase.
0: Oh, yeah, you should be able to. Yeah, okay. I don't know if we still have se- segment SQL or whatever they call it now. We do not still
1: have that, sadly. Oh, I'm but there. I'm I'm seeing enough... Downstream and I've like, checked you it think in it's enough. It's just
0: different a r- an issue with Google. Yeah.
1: It's really the only one that's reporting this, and uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. Though. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's how I, don't I feel. Know what about to do with that, um, unfortunately, we did not release the bourbon course. Uh, we are teetering on the edge. I feel great about our ability to get that done next week, but you know, we'll see. I get to talk about that when it's shipped. Uh, but trying to think within the context of that of how we can continue to iterate on that process and get better and. All that kind of stuff. That's kind of the core work of Upcase. So the better we can get at it, the better.
0: What do you think slowed you down that was unexpected? It's not so much unexpected,
1: but uh, it takes a while to produce the notes. And I continue to think about whether or not that's a good investment or whether there's a way we can scale that back or simplify it. Uh, historically, we had very little in terms of notes, and mm-hmm. then basically, with me, uh, I started writing a lot of words, and I kind of regret that now. Hmm. I think the content is better for it. There's no question
0: about that, but it's whether it's better commensurate with the amount of effort that goes into it. Mm. Um, is that what your block, your like, is undone now? Is it, like creating the notes for the existing videos that are other- are otherwise done? Yes. Yeah. So the videos are done. Production occasionally will
1: spike and we'll have a little more work than Tom can take on at any given time. And so mm-hmm. there's this kind of stage gate process where, okay, we've got a plan, then we've got to record, then Tom's got to edit, then we get it back and we do final preparation and actual trail production. And that's where we're at right now. If there were any way to parallelize some of those or to make it not this strictly linear process, I think that would be beneficial. Hmm. Um, but oh. we're thinking about things. We've got some ideas.
0: I wonder if you could release the videos without the notes. And then two options. One is just release the notes over time, like you do them. Mm-hmm. Like at least the course gets out the door and everyone gets to see it. And then you slowly add notes as after the fact. Or you go the kind of like crowdsource Rails Casts kind of ASCII hmm. thing. And it's like, we have an editable wiki down here. Please add notes as you see fit.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think either... The, the first one seems like it's kind of just distributing the effort over time, which... I'm not sure, like, if we weren't doing this, we would just be working on a different one, and I'm not
0: sure how yeah, much Yeah, I don't think it's it. a huge win, but yeah. it does at least get it out the door sooner. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there are definitely ways to think about it that we can improve it, but um, I don't know. I think like, if, you were, if this were, like, a development task, and it was like, it's not done, but we could definitely ship it and get it out there, I'd be like, okay, yeah. I feel like you'd be easy to convince on that, but because yeah. it's a course you're thinking of it as, like, well, it's got to have all the things there. It's not so much that, it's that, sure, it's out there, but does that really matter? I mean, if it doesn't, then maybe you shouldn't do it at all. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I guess in theory there's a benefit of now more people will see it come, sign up, etc. But my thinking is it's it's worth getting it all done so that that thing's done. That's not something that's on my plate anymore. Because if there's work left to be done on a course, then that's going to distract me from whatever else I would move on to next. Okay. But yeah so there's there are things and i'm trying to think about different ways to improve that but mostly it's just right now we've got a little bit of work to get done i also try and constrain releases to tuesday through thursday just based on anecdotally how people a use the site and b what i understand about like best practices with twitter and announcements and things like that Hmm. um so i could like we could release tomorrow i think but i'm going to push it into next week because i believe that's a better timing for that okay so, do you have a
0: marketing plan for the course?
1: Uh, some, but not as detailed as I think you would probably want and will probably hold me to. Um, mm. So, I'm working with Tyson. Tyson Gatch. Uh, wow, he's he's popular in this episode. Yes, he, uh, he was the co-host, or frankly, he he's was the He started host. listening to the podcast, by the way. Yeah, he told me <laughs> because now he's on.
0: He's you know featured. He's effectively. Yeah. yeah,
1: he is really the host of this thing. That brings I'm, it up to two
0: listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess I haven't listened in a while. Yeah. Did you stop listening when you started being on it? I listened for a while and then I stopped. Yeah. Okay. It gets weird. Yeah. Uh, my head goes weird when I it's listen. Kind of navel gazing. Uh, I also listen to myself on the weekly iteration every week. There's too much of me on the internet, frankly. Okay.
0: Example. All right. So marketing.
1: Tyson is great, and so I'm trying to work with him to think about like what are the channels. I don't necessarily have a foot in as many of the design channels, design, you know, conversations on the internet, mm-hmm. but hoping that uh, he can help with that, and then. The way I think about it is there's the initial release, but then any marketing efforts can kind of follow on. So it's like, all right, now let's get it mentioned on this and mentioned on that. And that doesn't have to coincide with the like first day that the thing is visible on Upcase. Sure. So that's the idea is get it done so that it's out there and I'm happy with what it is and then transition into marketing mode. Uh, and so I have a checklist of a number of things, but I think there's room to improve that. And so we'll be talking about that in the coming weeks.
0: Okay, good. I mean... I guess it doesn't really matter too much as long as you get things. Like there is a difference between a course that is one month old and three months old, I think. Or like two weeks old and six weeks old, I would say, in terms of like the Internet's perception of it. Like there is a time Mm. period where it's new. There is a time period where it's new. Uh, this,
1: This is a distinct difference that I see between the weekly iteration and the courses is that the courses feel evergreen. People come in and they're like, oh, cool, I will do this. It doesn't matter if it came out yesterday or two weeks ago. It's the topic that I'm interested in. so I'm kind of relying on that, but there is a certain newness and being able to take advantage of that on the internet has value.
0: Right. I'm thinking of you like selling bloggers or things Mm -hmm. like that, like people that are influencers like on like, hey, there's a new course versus, hey, we have a course. Yep. Not a huge difference, I would say, but I think it's it's something. something. So your window is maybe not, you know, infinite. You can't just decide to market at some other point in the future. Typically, the way I view it is the like two weeks following
1: the quote-unquote release of a course is focused on marketing that course, mm. uh, and so trying to fit it in in there and trying to do whatever it is that I'm going to do. Uh, but again, as as per our previous discussions, there's room for improvement on what that means. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try and figure that out.
0: It's a, it feels feels that feels a little backwards in terms of order, almost to me. Like it's a little different because you do have an existing customer base, and so you're not like trying to like go sell an ebook to a bunch of people, mm-hmm. right? But like, if I were selling an info product. I would seek to, like, gather the audience and get them excited and have a bunch of channels lined up so that when it did launch, it was Mm -hmm. like there was a boom on the Mm -hmm. internet. Um, And suddenly it was like, wow, I'm hearing about this bourbon course everywhere. Like, why is everyone tweeting about this, writing about this, talking about it? And so, like, all that work, that's actually, like, mostly preparatory work ahead of time. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, partly we do have our 10,000-ish people on the
1: particular segment of the mailing list that we have. So they'll get a notification about it. But the idea
0: of, I'm hearing about this everywhere, I, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. so I mean, I think you should be getting a boom. Mm-hmm. Like for the amount of work these courses take, like there should be some sort of like, kaplow! Yep. In like signups, revenue, t- buzz at the very least kind of buzz. thing. And so if it's just kind of like, and yeah, if, if you don't see that, it feels like a missed opportunity.
1: I agree. I think we've gotten better with every single one, but I think you're highlighting that there's still a gap there. And so I hope to continue working through that gap. We'll see what I can do.
0: Okay. Let me know if you need ideas. I
1: need ideas, Ben. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk offline. Last thing, I went on vacation. That was great. It was real uh-huh. good. It was excellent. I was away. Uh, I had minimal access to the internet, which is perfect. No internet would have probably been bad. Very minimal, like I basically only had internet on my phone. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Didn't touch a computer the entire time. Good. It was wonderful.
0: Good. Really enjoyed that. That's awesome. I'm envious. <laughs> I rented a lake house for later this summer, and it has no cell reception and no internet. Oh, wow. So I'm going to be off the grid. Off the well, grid. Well, off the inner grid.
1: You'll be on an electric grid. I had f-
0: have this friend who, can I say these details? I think I can. Yeah, who recently sold his company to some healthcare organization. He works there now. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. He was like, there's no self-reception. And I'm like, yeah? He's like, well, I can't like check my email. And I was like, right. <laughs> it was like, and he, he had anxiety over it. Mm. And it was kind of, my reaction was kind of like, you're not that important. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not like doing the deal still. Like, you got bought. <laughs> like, I'm sure you have big projects in, that are happening now. But like, if you go like a couple days without checking your email, is the world going to really blow up? Mm-hmm. You're not the only person you're, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical of anyone that thinks I need that much connectivity. If you do, that's a problem. Right. And you probably don't. I <laughs> think are the, the two summaries right. that I would give of that. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there's, there are periods of time in your life where, like, you can't take a vacation because that would actually be disastrous for a current thing you're doing. But, like, given, like, three months notice, you should be able to have, like, two or three days where you don't check your damn email. Yep. <sighs> Especially since you already, you already sold the company. Like,
1: just calm down. Yeah. Well, I haven't sold anything yet, Ben. Well, I guess I've sold a couple subscriptions. You've got to sell
0: some subscriptions. You've got to email 50 design bloggers when you launch this bad bloggers. boy wow all right yeah actually tyson should email them that's my hope yeah I don't know. <laughs> hi tyson
1: this will be in the future of when i actually ask you to do that though so that's complicated
0: yeah who knows so i guess that's it want to do our questions
1: let's do our questions ben how is formkey better for subscribers than
0: it was last two weeks ago uh the ui is fresh and new fresh and pretty new. And clean
1: better information architecture
0: mm-hmm. uh what
1: did you do to get more subscribers
0: Mm, pass. Pass. Hard pass. Yeah. Uh, what did you do well that you should continue? I think shipping early, like the UI shipping, was pretty aggressive. Like mm-hmm. getting it done by today, I think was you know there's definitely some rough parts. There's some things that we know are there issues, yep. but uh, I'm glad it's. I think it's. I'd rather have it out and then iterate than yep. you know not.
1: Hard to iterate on nothing, as we say. Uh, what did you do poorly
0: that you should try and stop? I, th- <laughs> I might be a little too easy to convince to rewrite things. <laughs> you know like as a developer myself like it's like oh man i I know the glory that is like starting from scratch yep and getting to throw everything out and so i think i'm particularly susceptible and like to to that like pitch and in both cases there was like another really useful thing that i was like as soon as we finish this rewrite we'll Mm. do the useful thing where it's like ember and then the pricing change and then this and then like the activation funnel slash marketing change it's like maybe you should have started with the other one and then do the thing that sounds like it's a little more fun, even though it's going to slow it down a little bit. So I, I need to keep an eye on that. I mean, okay. there's, pro- there's not much more I can rewrite, but um, I think just being aware of like, <laughs> of like, I've already rewritten everything, so I'm probably safe from future rewrites. Right. Exactly. Just being aware of like, it's always going to take you know a good amount longer than you expect it is. So like, do you really want to spend the next like four weeks on this particular thing? Yeah. Or are there like shorter, easier, faster things you can get done? All right. Uh, what are your plans for the coming week? Um, keeping my eye on this activation thing. Possibly digging into that a bit more. Probably trying to... Oh, um, shipping the form linter next week. Oh, that's a thing now. I forgot to talk about that. Did we talk about that at all in the podcast? Yeah, we did. We've talked about it a couple weeks back. Oh, um, well... Let's, let's pick it up next week. Okay, we'll pick it up next week. But um, it's live. I, I'll it's probably real. be shipping it next week. And then I imagine we'll be a good chunk into the marketing site. Redo, redesign as well. Or, yeah, I think so. We'll all Uh, best guess
1: what's your mrr is it up or down it's
0: up three percent to 7055 that's a change of like 200 and change all right why is the product better for your customers than last week
1: uh weekly iteration went out actually two uh yeah two Uh, but other than that nothing
0: okay uh what have you done to acquire more customers
1: uh i'd say continued iteration on the domain transition that feels like a foundational thing that I'm tempted to discount everything that we're doing following on, but I think that actually is good and valuable. Let's get more subscriber work, so going to give myself credit there.
0: Okay, and you did like a bunch of URL updates and things like that?
1: Yeah, ton. <laughs> so many.
0: <laughs> what did you do well?
1: Uh, I took a vacation. <laughs> That's that is an important thing. Yeah. Reset the clocks a little bit.
0: Yeah. Do more of that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I should. I'm not great at it. Yeah. But here we are. Uh, okay. Uh, what did you do less well that you should reduce? uh i think you're right in highlighting that we haven't done as much work leading into the launch Uh, i don't necessarily want to postpone it in this case but i think we can kind of like align the two but thinking about that for the future feels feels like a thing that would be worthwhile Uh, Mm -hmm. if anything thinking back through all of the launches that i've been part of each one it feels like we're catching up a little bit more. So like the Delta between, uh, we're really scrambling to pull this one together versus the next one was like, all right, we're, we're pretty good. We know what we're doing. The next one felt a little bit better. This one feels a little bit better. Now, if we can actually get ahead of it and be thinking about marketing as Mm -hmm. kind of a first-class citizen rather than the thing that happens after, uh, I think that would be a really good idea. So thank you for that, Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see if we can do it. Okay. Uh, What do you hope to do by next time? Actually launch the Bourbon course, uh, spend some time marketing that, reaching out to people, uh, getting some links on the internet, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, And I think I want to stabilize slash implement a few tests. We have some things that have been running that are either null or positive. Like A-B tests. Yeah, A-B tests. Some stuff on the email side, some stuff on uh, marketing pages, and uh, a few internal tests. So I kind of want to revisit all of those, decide to continue kill, uh, implement, et cetera. Um, and so I'll probably report back on those. But get those into a, a stable place so that I can ignore them for you know in the next few weeks while they're running.
0: Okay. Uh, what is your MRR? MRR is at
1: 35349. I think this is the first time I reported. No, second time I reported a 35, uh, but this is the local maximum, so that's fun. Not historical maximum for Upcase, but local maximum. So that
0: is an increase of 1.2%, roughly $400. Cool. All right. right, that's it. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom the Phenomenon Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 196. Thanks for listening.